This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. Hey, I just, I, I want to just commend you. You know, we've been in a series called Small Things Matter. We've been talking about uh, how there's these, what seemingly insignificant things that we might do time after time after time. They have this cumulative efl- effect. I just want to say to you that, that one of those items that you might discount, you might chalk it up as, this is just my weekly routine of, I just get up on Sunday mornings and I go to church, whether it's first service or whether it's second service or third service. And that's what I do. It's just my routine of getting up and going to church once a week. But again, like all things, they have this cumulative effect that as you do this weekend after weekend after week out, just keep doing it over and over and over again. It has this ability to make an impact in your life. And I thank you for that. But I want to say something about what it means, though, that it's more than just a it's more than just a routine or a spiritual exercise that we do to come to church and just be here and participate. Um, obviously, that's what it feels like. But there's something that you can do, uh, and this is not what I'm preaching on, by the way, just so, but this is something that was really struck, struck me this morning. There's something you can do every single Sunday morning that may have this multiplying effect for you, and that is posturing your heart. Pastor Jairus, you know, generally... After the first song or so, ask us all to raise our hands and say, God, we're just here to receive from you. But imagine if every single week you walk through those doors with this idea, God, you're going to speak to me today. God, you're going to do something new and fresh in my life today. If, that, if, that's, if that's the attitude, if that's the, the inner dialogue that you're having in your mind, that you're just saying, God, you're going to speak to me today. I don't care. I mean, I might fall flat on my face from a sermon because honestly, I can't do the transformation in your life. Only God can do that. I might fall flat on my face when I preach. Our worship team might really have a bad day. But if your attitude and your posture is, God, I am just hungry for you and I want you to do something special in my life, God can do it and he will do it almost guaranteed no matter what the circumstances are. This is why when we were missionaries in Bangladesh, no matter how difficult life could have been in Bangladesh, there were moments, there were moments where God was still doing amazing things in our lives because it wasn't about the circumstances. It was about the posture of the heart. And so thank you, first of all, for saying regularly, yeah, I plan on being at church on Sunday. But further encouragement to you is, God, I just want something from you today. And I hope and I pray that that's your heart. Even now. Amen. So uh, we've been in a series, Small Things Matter. We've been talking, this is the last installment of the series. We've been talking about uh, things like the cumulative effect. Last week, we talked about taking some small steps in the direction of planting the right seed, of making inventory of the seeds that we're planting. What seeds are we planting? What seeds are causing destruction in our lives? Those need to stop. What seeds we need to start planting so that we can have, a, you know, a bountiful harvest in our life. That's sort of where we went with that. And, and I encourage, I challenge you to make a commitment to commit to planting new seed. And so my prayer is that God will hear your prayers. In this series, we've been talking about, in some ways, about the cumulative effect this idea, this idea of cumulative is this gradual building up. It's something that's created by gradual additions. And so what I've been trying to communicate is this idea that who you are, your personhood, your being, who you are, 
whether it's your health or your finances, your relationships, your, your spiritual life, all of these things are defined significantly by the small things that we do day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and day out. And we've given a lot of examples of that. Even, even those of you that last week made a commitment to, to start planting some new seeds, to see some new progress in your life by the end of the year, as small as that might be, they have the p- potential and the impact of really bringing about an amazing, amazing harvest in your life. They will either result in blessing or it will result in destruction. The Bible calls that the law of sowing. Well, the Bible doesn't actually call that the law of sowing. We, we call it the law of sowing and reaping, but it's about sowing and reaping. In Galatians 6, 7, the Apostle Paul speaking, he says, <clears throat> don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. In other words, you can't fool God. You can fool your teacher. You can fool, you can fool your, your, maybe your, your parents. You, you might be able to fool your spouse, but you can't fool God. He says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. You will always harvest what you plant. So this law applies to everyone. This is not just a law that is for Christians. The law of sowing and reaping applies to every single one of us. And if, just say for example, you decide, I don't want to believe the law of sowing and reaping. Well, maybe the Bible talks, but I don't want to believe it. Maybe you, in your mind you have the ability of suspending belief in the law of sowing and reaping. It doesn't make a difference. Last week we talked about if you jump out of an airplane, the law of gravity, take, law of gravity takes effect, and you could be you know, reaching terminal velocity, 122 miles an hour, and thinking that I don't, this is not happening to me, this is not happening to me, but it's happening to you. And so the law of sowing and reaping applies to all of us, and it's always, always in play. And so if you sow seeds of anger and rage... You're almost guaranteed to reap a harvest of arguing, fighting, and discord. If you sow seeds of lust, you're going to reap a harvest of dissatisfaction and frustration. If you sow seeds of greed and selfishness, you're going to reap a harvest of discontentment. And I realize that we don't want that. None of us here say, God, I just want to be discontent. I just want to fight with my wife all the time. We don't want that. That's not what we go in for. That's not what we want in our lives. And yet, if we sow those kind of seeds, that's exactly what we're going to get. And so this is where we've been. One of the ways that we talked about this, these seeds that we're planting, is that they are things that are easy to do and things that are easy not to do. Like, it's easy for me to drink water. It is easy for me to drink water. It's also just as easy for me on my way home to stop at Come and Go and pick up a $1 big gigantic Diet Dr. Pepper. Yeah, it is. And unfortunately, that's what I often do. In fact, I said that last week and I got home with this big gigantic one after church and my son says, you actually did it? (laughs) You were just like preaching at yourself and you went ahead and did it anyways, you know? Because it's easy to do And it's easy not to do. So the goal really is to identify some of the seeds that we're planting. And what we want is we want the law law of sowing and reaping to work for us, not against us. 
There's some of you in this room that the law of sowing and reaping has been working against you. You, you make inventory of your life. You think about where you are relationally. You think about where you are physically. You think about where you are financially. And you look at all of that and you say to yourself, yes, this is as a result of a lot of seed that I've been planting way over here, way back when, and now this is happening to me. It's been working against you. And so our goal in this whole series was about encouraging you to start planting new seeds so this law of sowing reaping, reaping actually works in your favor, works for you, right? And so last week we, we, we had the challenge and many people responded. Um, many in, this, in our church we're saying we're going to start planting seeds that are going to bring about a healthier marriage. I mean, many responses were, we want a healthier marriage. 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 And so the challenge is out for us, before us, is that start planting those seeds. Start planting those seeds. Start planting those seeds. Right? You can't expect a healthier marriage if you choose to, to, to basically ignore your spouse, if you choose to work too, too late, late hours and never be with them. So start planting the right seed, right? Another person, they're, they're trusting God for the startup of a motorcycle business, and so they're planting seeds to get a motorcycle business going. A few others are starting to plant seeds that are going to set them free from addictions. Kind of laid out some of the things that they're, they're doing. Many wives are trusting God and planting seeds that are going to result in their husbands coming to faith in Jesus Christ, and that's what they're hoping for. Another person is starting a clothing company that's going to be dedicated to the Lord, and they're planting seeds. In fact, he just told me this morning that he's moving to Arizona for it. Many of you are planting seeds that are going to result in restored relationship with your children. And so these are all things that, are, that are, people are making commitments to, to say, God, this is, this is the harvest that we want to see in our lives, all right? And, and in fact, much of the steps that they're taking are really small steps, and yet this is what they're hoping for. They're hoping for a big harvest in their life. And so I just want to pause for a second to not just simply dismiss these, these, these challenges, these people who are making a challenge of their, in their own lives, and I just want to pray and ask God to intervene into that because it's God really that's going to make that happen in our lives and then we can just move on. Father, I just want to thank you, God, that in this church there are many people that are hungry for you. They're hungry for a restored relationship with their spouse. They're hungry, Father, for a better financial life. They're hungry, Father, for a better uh, relationship with their children. They're hungry, hungry Father, for a, a, you know, a more God-directed um, uh, job and, and occupation. Father, they're hungry for more of you, God. And maybe last week, many of them said they're committed to making that happen. Father, I ask that you exactly make that happen for them, Father. That you give them the courage to get up every single day to do it over and over again. And that, God, you will bring about a harvest in their lives that they've never even dreamed of. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I thought about all week long about the commitments that we had made, and I, I too was making some commitments of my own, but if we're completely honest, there might be some of you who, you know, you started out with a bang, 
You heard the message last Sunday, or maybe this series has kind of prompted you, the whole series kind of prompted you that way, but you you heard the message, you're like, yes, this is what I'm going to do, and last Sunday you were just committed. Maybe you wrote it on the card, maybe you didn't write it on the card, but you made a decision that you're going to, through the end of the year, do exactly this, or maybe your commitment was for the next 52 days, as we talked about in uh, in in the message last Sunday, that the wall was built in 52 days, and you decided in the next 52 days, this is what we're going to do, Right? But what was going to be your year-end year challenge or your 52-day challenge turned into more of a two-hour consideration. <laughs> because after two hours, you started realizing that, uh, well, thoughts start flooding your head and you start saying, how can I ever do this? I mean, I mean... It's just more of the same. If I just keep trying to do this, I, I mean, I don't want this stuff in my life, and I've been doing these things, and it's, nothing's changing. Therefore, how is it ever going to change? Maybe that's the thought that hits your mind. Or maybe your thoughts were that what I've done is so, so bad, so destructive that there's no way out of it. This is the lot of my life. This is where it's going to be for the rest of my life. Maybe that's where you went, and so you decided that, yeah, I can't commit to these things. And so that's you. I want us to look at John chapter 15 today. We're going to look at a passage of scripture. Jesus is going to talk to us about how to bear the right fruit. About how to bear the kind of fruit that God really wants in our life, God desires in our life. The context of this passage is really important. Uh, Jesus doesn't have much time here on earth. He's with his disciples. They've just left the upper room. They're on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, time is Time is short. And on the way to the, when they get to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is going to be, uh, he's going to be arrested, tried, and then crucified. And so on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, they're going down this path. It's the cool of the evening. They're passing these vineyards, these grapevines. And as they're passing these grapevines, these are, these are generations old grapevines. They're passing through these grapevines. Jesus breaks the silence, and this is what he says in John, John 15, 5. Yes, I... Jesus talking about himself. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. So let's pause there for a second. Let's, let's, get the, let's get the context right. Who's the vine? Jesus. Who are the branches? Us, right? I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Something all of us want. We want to produce fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, as you read the context of this passage, you know that the, the story is kind of coming to an end here on earth for Jesus. You get the sense that, that Jesus feels like his time is running short. Like it's almost over, right? There's no more time for, for nice sermons. There's no more time for, you know, thought-provoking parables that, are, that you can kind of sit around for a couple days to think about and consider and maybe come up with an idea of what, what you, how you need a response. It's almost like, as if Jesus is trying to make a point. This is something that you need to hear right now. This is something that you need to act upon right now. And so he gets down to this and he gives us this controlling metaphor. It's kind of a way to identify what it means to be in relationship with Christ this metaphor and that he gives us and a way for us to, to understand how we can accomplish his mission here on earth. And so he gives us this metaphor, and this is the metaphor. I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, when we read the scriptures, it's easy for us to read things like that and, 
if you, if you don't want to spend a whole lot of time, you just kind of like just pass right past it. Okay, vine branches. Okay, yeah, uh, bear fruit. And then you just kind of go on, and you don't even think any more of the metaphor. But it's significant, the fact that Jesus is telling this at the very end of his life to his disciples. There's something that he wants to understand. And I think there's something he wants us to understand about this that is very, very important for us to hear. I am the vine, you're, in the, you're the branches. There's a lot of power in, in a controlling metaphor. There is a lot of power in a controlling metaphor. For example, when couples are struggling, right, maybe with their marriage or their relationship and they come talk to me or whatever, oftentimes, without knowing, they don't really know that they're doing this, but they come and they use, metaphor, they use the metaphor of war to explain their relationship, Like right? We fight all the time. Yeah, I was just, I was just defending myself. She attacked me. You know, those are, that's the language that we use in this. And when we use that kind of language, we're basically describing what the, what the relationship looks like. And if that's how we see our relationship, then it has a way of being controlling. It controls how we, how we react to each other, how we respond to each other. It's called a controlling metaphor. And so uh, Jesus uses a very important metaphor, a metaphor that we need to understand it will help us to, to embrace what it means to be fruitful and what it means to accomplish his mission here on earth and what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the, the, the metaphor is that of vine and branches. Amen? So he's the vine. We are the branches. A couple principles that he shows us um, in, in this passage that I think are powerful for us to embrace, to understand, and, and, and particularly because as we, look at the, as we look at the metaphor, what we're trying to find from there and what we're trying to walk away with is to understand that there is power available for us to bear fruit. See, I think that we don't always believe that. I think we sometimes hear Pastor Rich talk and we walk away saying, that was a good sermon. Maybe in our head we might think that way. At least I hope you think that way. I don't know. <laughs> but, but, but we walk away saying, yeah, but that's, that, that'll never happen for me. And so what Jesus is trying to communicate is that there is power for you. Those dreams that last week as we were talking about, you had these dreams and this desire, this vision of a new marriage, of a, of a different kind of profession or you know, different type of relationship with your kids. All that stuff, breaking of addiction, all those dreams that you have, there is power for that to actually happen. And I think that this is where he's taken us with this. So there's a couple of principles we're going to look at for, to be able to receive this power. And so if you're here and you made a commitment last week and you feel a little bit discouraged about that, I just want you to know that you need to remember this parable to help you, as you I mean this metaphor, as you, as you try to live this out. First principle we find in this passage is the principle of connection, right? Jesus tells us that power comes from the vine, and the branch connecting, right? So the vine is this trunk. It's like a tree trunk, but it's short. It's not tall. It's about waist high, maybe a little bit higher. And, and the branches are these, they come off that trunk and they may go 100 feet, 150 feet long. And at the end of those branches or along the way in those branches, there's fruit that has grown, okay? And this is, this is the image that Jesus is using. And as long as the branch is connected to the vine, the branch bears fruit. Now, I'm saying stuff that you're like, yeah, Rich, we know that. We know, but we don't always live that way, but we know that. 
We also know that if that branch gets cut off, then that branch dies. That branch does not bear fruit. It doesn't matter how much you want that branch to bear fruit. It dies. It does not bear fruit. So it's this principle of connection that Jesus is basically telling us um, that will help us kind of grow the kind of fruit that we need. And what we need to understand is that connection basically leads to production. That as you are connected to the branch. See, this is the key to empowerment. And I think it's what a lot of us are missing because I think in our culture, we think of, we, we we're, very, we're very keen on production, right? We're very keen on performance. Words that we use oftentimes are producing, achieving, accomplishing. Those are words that are very easy for us, very familiar to us. And so when we think about changes that need to happen in our life, almost, almost, almost always instantly, this is what we do. We go straight to production. We don't think about connection. We go straight to production. Okay, something needs to change in my life. What do I need to do? I may not know why I need to do it. I may not even understand fully, you know, the way to get it accomplished, but just tell me what I need to do. And so we want a quick fix for something. We want to be able to told, do this, do this, do that. And therefore, you will have all the fruit and all the stuff that you like. And Jesus is really focusing in on the fact that you and I need to start with connection. Connection leads to production, right? And so what I think often happens, though, is that we kind of get it backwards. We Connection leads to production, but we oftentimes think it, that production leads to connection. And maybe that's how we grew up. Maybe that's how we think about the thing. You know, we, we think that if I could just do more, then Jesus will accept me. If I could just accomplish more good things, spiritual things in my life, then maybe Jesus will, will take me in. And I think that way about, about production, right? Maybe you grew up in a church where that was what you, what you learned. You learned that if you're gonna, if you're gonna be good in with God, you better follow the rules, and so you learn to follow the rules. Maybe actually, in fact, you might even be sitting here this morning, not because you really, and I'm not trying to be mean when I say this, not because you really want a relationship with Jesus, not because you really want to, you know, be connected to the body of Christ. You might be sitting here this morning just because, well, it's a rule that you follow. You go to church. And you make sure you do it on a regular basis. See, in our mind, we have this idea that production can lead to connection. But here's what you know, and here's what all of us know. It gets exhausting when the branch tries to be the vine. And you know that. Some of you in this room know that very well because you've tried so hard to break that addiction. You've done this, you've done that, you've done this, you've done that, you've done everything. You're trying so hard and it feels like you go a few steps forward and you fall a few steps backward. You wonder, why is this happening? Well, it's because you're trying to be the vine. You're trying to, yeah, you're trying to be the vine, not the branch. You're trying to do it in your own power, and it doesn't work. I, mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've heard that with individuals in our church who come up to me and say, Pastor Rich, I love this church. God just really, I feel like God's speaking to me, and I can't wait to be a part of this. I mean, I have to fix a few things first. <laughs> That's what they say. I have to fix a few things first. And then, and then I could be in with the church. I could then in, and be in with God, you know? And I think, I, and I'm not trying to be mean about those people saying that. I understand where they're coming from. But what I hear is production leads to connection. Do, 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 and then you might be accepted, right? But Jesus says, no, that's not how it works. 
is connection leads to production. That's difficult for us. It's a tough one for us because we live in a world that's all about production. In fact, you have a, many of you in this room have a job that if you don't produce, what happens? You, you probably won't be at the job very long, right? And so very naturally, we, we realize that if I'm going to ever get anything accomplished, I've got to work hard at it, right? And this is not just true in, in, the, in you know, the professional world. It's also true in relationships, I mean, think about it, romantic relationships. Often a lot of romantic relationships are built, are built around this transactional model of, yeah, you know, I, you know, I, you know, we're in a relationship because of all the things that you do for me. So produce something and we'll be in this relationship. It's even gotten into the Hallmark card industry. I mean, like, this equation is now even in the Hallmark card industry. You read Hallmark cards, romantic ones, you know, about husband and wife kind of ones or, you know, love relationship kind of ones, you know, and, and, they, and they all have this equation built into them. I love you because, and then it spells it out, implying that if you didn't do these things, then maybe I don't love you <laughs> or I'll see you later or you wouldn't even be receiving this card right now if, I, if you didn't do all these things kind of thing, right? It's this idea, this mentality of project, pr- production. And so Jesus says, let's get this straight, It's not your production that connects you to me. It's your connection that allows you to produce fruit in your life. And so stay connected to me. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're disconnected from me, you can accomplish nothing. It's pretty big words from Christ. Second principle we see here is the principle of consistency. This is this idea of stick-to-itness. Jesus uses the term remain. Maybe your version says abide. Um, in the first seven verses of, of John 15, 11 times he uses the word remain. 11 times. He's trying to make a point, right? About sticking to it. Last, last week we talked about the Chinese bamboo tree. It takes five years for that seed to germinate. I talked a little bit about the, the first ever Chinese bamboo farmer. Remember that? And his not very supportive wife. You remember? Okay, you don't remember. But anyways, uh, see, that's how good of a preacher I am. You don't remember what I said last week. Um, <clears throat> So, so, so here, here's the thing. If this guy had given up after three years, he would have never seen a harvest. And it's easy to quit. The principle of consistency. Um, on November 23rd, 2014, one of the most, uh, I mean, I guess I shouldn't have said this. I said in first, there's the most disappointing game. It's not really the most disappointing game because the Cowboys still won. Yes. <laughs> I'm the only one in the room. I get it. Uh, uh, but... But it was disappointing for this catch. You know, this catch happened. You know, you saw this. Uh, 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 Eli Manning, they needed this win. They never got it. They needed this win to have playoff contention. And so Eli Manning's around midfield late, late in the third quarter, throws his pass into the end zone, and then ends on this rookie Odell Beckham. Does this crazy catch. In fact, it was so crazy that today it's called the catch. Everybody talks about the catch, you know. And uh, you look at that and you think, well, that's a lot of luck, right? It's easy to look at that and say, that's a lot of luck. Uh, it's easy to look at that and say, oh, yeah, that's, you know, he, he just, you know, he had a, he just happened to have, he had to be right in the right spot at the right time. That's what, you know, it's just a fluke that it happened. But then you start hearing the, the sports commentary after the game, and you discover 
that Odell Beckham, since he was in high school, which at that time might have not been that long before then, maybe eight years before, but since high school, he's been practicing one-handed catches. In fact, in the warm-up time before this exact game on November 23rd, 2014, in the warm-up time before this game, Odell Beckham twice caught the ball just like this as as a warm-up. So maybe it wasn't a fluke. Maybe it was practice, 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 consistency. And so I think everybody wants this monumental moment in your life, right? You, you want that one-handed Superman catch. That's what you want to be known for. But we don't always embrace the monotony of practice. But you can't have the monumental without the monotonous. It's not impossible. And so maybe for your life, you want a certain kind of marriage or you want to make a certain kind of impact in the world. You want to have a certain kind of relationship with your kids. You want to have a certain kind of job. You want to have a certain kind of financial status. And you're hoping for that big, big payoff someday in that arena, arena, but you cannot have that monumental without the daily monotony of practice, practice, practice. It's impossible. And so what a lot of us are missing in seed planting is we're missing consistency. Consistency. That's what Jesus speaks to. He speaks to consistency, right? And if we would just do that, if we just kind of daily, every day, start doing the same thing over and over again, as little as it might seem, it's amazing what will happen. It's where the law of sowing and reaping comes in. Once you start seeing a harvest, then you're motivated for the next season in your life. And I think a lot of us quit before that. Last, I think it was last week we talked about the, the, the wall of Nehemiah. It was half built and they got discouraged. Half built and they got discouraged. And I think a lot of us get to that halfway point and we too get discouraged. And we walk away, we quit because we think there's still so much to be done. There's so much hurdles to cross. There's so much life to be, there's so much yet to be done. So we get discouraged. And this is why Paul tells us in Galatians 6, 9, let us not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, just keep doing the right thing. Don't grow weary in doing it. At the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. At just the right time, you're going to reap the harvest that you're hoping for. So Jesus gives us these two principles, a principle of connection and the principle of consistency. The principle of connection is that your power source for bearing fruit is not your abilities, your strength, your, your amazing talent, your ability to, to whatever. Your power comes from Christ by staying connected to him. And the consistency part is that you consistently stay connected to him. You don't wake up in the morning and say, okay, what five things do I need to do? No, you wake up in the morning and say, Jesus, I connect to you once again. He speaks these words to his disciples. He tells them, hey, you know, as you're walking by the vineyard, I want you to remain in me. Remain in me, remain in me. And then they get to the Garden of Gethsemane. The soldiers show up, and they're going to arrest Jesus. And what happens? Those disciples that he just told them, just told them, remain in me, they bail. They take off running. 
And I, can't, I can even imagine that maybe Andrew or one of the other disciples, as they're running away, they run past that vineyard that Jesus said, this is what it's like to be connected to me, this vineyard right here. He runs past it, forgetting all about it. And you might think, man, what kind of disciples are they? But that's okay, because Jesus knew that he was going to die. And he was going to go cross so that that connection could stay open. So you might be in this room right now. You might have made a decision last week to be connected to the vine. You might have made a decision last week to start planting good seed. And you've already bailed on that decision. You've already turned your back on Christ potentially. Just get back up. Stay connected to the vine. The connection's still open. Jesus is not done he wasn't done with them. He's not done with you. And so we are invited to consistently connect to him. So let's stand. Um, <clears throat> listen, Jesus doesn't want, and, I, and this is a, a kind of a mixed message to be able to talk about because oftentimes we talk about, hey, the power's all in God and then you tomorrow start doing something. And it feels like a mixed message to you, right? It feels like, well, well yeah, Rich, you're saying God does it, but I just stand still and wait for God to do everything. And then what do I wait on? And then at the same time, you're saying, yeah, why don't you start planting a seed? So that's kind of my working. And, and you know, you kind of get a little bit, which one is it? I want you to hear me on this. Jesus doesn't want more and more from you. See, I think that that's where the confusion lies, is that we think, if I could just do more, I'll get somewhere. Jesus doesn't want more and more from you. He wants more and more of you. And when he gets more and more of you, then he empowers you to produce. And when you are empowered to produce, you get more, he gets more and more from you. But it starts with connection. It starts when I realize that I'm not where I need to be. The first thing I do is not go run and try to do something. The first thing I do is say, am I connected to the vine? Am I connected to Christ? It's connection, then production. Your job, my job, is just to be the branch. Stay connected. Last night, I was texting with somebody and a young man in our church and struggling with this very thing. How will I ever overcome? How will I ever get past this? How will I ever, whatever, and a lot of thoughts flooding their head, his head and just what I texted him last night. I said, I know it's hard to feel good about yourself, especially when you are the one judging yourself. <laughs> and Satan stands right next to you as a prosecutor. It's not magical what will happen. It's not monumental what will happen. I think oftentimes that's what we're hoping for is this monumental thing. It's just waking up every morning and telling yourself the truth about God, about who God says you are. The truth. Day after day of doing that, you will begin to believe the truth. Something Satan doesn't want you to hear, much less even believe. Stay connected to the mind.